There are already so many barriers to being successful in a new job. So what do impact-driven leaders do? Well, impact-driven leaders provide a clear path for the person to become outrageously successful and connected and immersed in the culture over the course of 90 days. And one practical way that you can do this is through the creation of a 90-day checklist that immerses the person in the culture of the organization, that gets them connected to the people of the organization, that teaches them what they need in order to be competent in their role and that make sure they understand some of the foundational content of the team. And that's what servant leadership looks like. Well, hey there, if we have not yet met, my name is Alex Judd. I'm the founder of Path for Growth and this is the Path for Growth podcast. Now, as a business, we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. And this podcast is just another iteration of how that mission comes to life. Now, today we're going to talk about something that is rooted in a principle that we've already mentioned before on this podcast, and that principle is something that my mentor used to tell me all the time. He used to say, Alex, you never have to recover from a strong start. And isn't that so true? I think we can all agree that if you begin well, that sets the tone for what you do moving forward. Now, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect moving forward, but it's way better to start off on the right foot than on the wrong foot. But so often we don't take that principle and put it into action in the area that is theoretically our most important resource as a business and as a team. I'm talking about the human resource because I've already, in the year that I've owned this business, experienced the stress and struggle and pain of bringing on a new team member and needing them to get ramped up fast, right? Needing them to start strong, needing them to get moving really, really quick. And more than that, I've observed it in other people that they're like, oh, I just got this hire. I need to throw everything on them right now because we've got to move people. Have you, have you ever been there before where it's like you hire someone and you think they're an all-star, they've gone through this hiring process, and you just need so bad to start delegating responsibility to them that they really don't have an onboarding process at all. And instead of feeling excited and engaged and passionate and welcomed, they feel overwhelmed and exhausted and freaked out because on day one, they already have more than they feel like they can handle. Well, that's not a great experience as a team member. And I I will tell you honestly, as a coach, thankfully, we haven't experienced this in our business, but as a coach, I've observed that happening in other businesses and literally it results in the team member eventually leaving the job. And honestly, it's not because the team member wasn't a good fit. It's not because the team member wasn't qualified. It's not because the team member couldn't be competent in their role. It's because they didn't get off on the right footing. Patrick Lencioni says that there's three signs of a miserable job. This is so important, and I would recommend you write this down if you don't have this already. Three signs of a miserable job. This is from his book, The Truth About Employee Engagement. There's immeasurement. Am I winning or am I not? And how do I know? Irrelevance. I think that my my job or my day-to-day doesn't connect to anything bigger than the day-to-day. Or anonymity. They don't know me, and even if they did know me, they wouldn't care. Three signs of a miserable job. But here's what's crazy and here's what's awesome is that an effective and intentional onboarding process diminishes and I would even say destroys those three things. 
Because if over the course of 90 days, you can immerse someone in the culture and the effectiveness and the practices and the commitments and processes of the team and of the business, well, man, you know what starts to go away? Immeasurement. You know what starts to go away? Irrelevance or the idea that this doesn't connect anything bigger. You know what starts to go away? Anonymity because they're getting connected to other people that know who they are and know what they stand for. That's why this is so important. That's why I get so passionate about this because I think that this represents an opportunity for you as a leader to maximize the effectiveness of your team. And we say it all the time, the Peter Drucker quote, what do leaders do? They make strength productive. When you hire someone, my assumption is that you believe they have strengths. And if you don't, why are you hiring them? <laughs> so my assumption is that you believe they have strengths. Now it's your job as a leader to position your business in such a way that we take those strengths and we maximize them in service of others, that we put them to work so that they produce positive value in the life of your customers. And one of the ways that we can optimize the, the deployment of strengths is through proper onboarding. And so what I want to talk to you about today is the creation of a 90-day checklist. I believe that you as a business, anytime you hire someone, and I believe this if they're a contractor, I believe this if they're part-time, I believe this if they're full-time, because people act the way you treat them. And if you treat them as a contractor that just doesn't really get to be involved that much in the team, you know what they're going to be? They're not going to be much that involved in the team. They're going to be disengaged and they're going to be not passionate. Conversely, if you treat a part-time team member like they are a part of the living and breathing culture of why this work matters and how it can be used to serve and add value to others, you know what they're going to act like? They're going to act like someone that's passionate and engaged and part of the team. And so I believe that what we're talking about today applies to everyone. I believe it applies to every role on the team and that when you bring them on, when you hire them, they are not fully hired until they make it through this 90-day checklist. And we're going to put the example for you of our integrator, who most of you have met on this podcast. We had a conversation called Building in Public that we'll put in the link of the show notes of this episode. He's gone through his 90-day checklist. And man, this guy's just on fire. And I think the reason why is because he and I collaborated on how do we knock this onboarding process out of the park. So it was really in that that I started to get these fundamental principles of what do we want to onboard for. Now, here's the deal. Success in onboarding is not just they can do their job. Success in onboarding is not just it's adequate. Success in onboarding is not just they got a company t-shirt. We need to set our, our sights higher as a leader. We need to set our sights higher as a business. And so what is absolute success? What is a home run? What is a vision for onboarding that we can get excited about? Well, here's my vision for onboarding for our business. And I would encourage you craft and think about your vision for onboarding in your business. At the end of 90 days, I want every single coach and team member and contractor associated with our business to be on fire for the mission of the organization, to be living and exemplifying the core values of the organization, and to be a representative of everything that we teach and do to the people that they interact with every single day. That's what it looks like. And yes, they need to be exceptional in the role that they are hired for. But that is base level, folks. And that is like just the price of admission to getting to be a part of this team. It's not enough just that you can do the job. What does it look like for people to be on fire and passionate 
about the culture at the end of 90 days. But that's not something that just happens on accident. That happens because a leader became incredibly intentional. So that's what we're doing on today's podcast is we're becoming incredibly intentional on the topic of onboarding. So there's four areas that I want you to think about when you're creating your 90-day checklist. I want you to focus on culture. I want you to focus on connection. I want you to focus on competency. And I want you to focus on content. Culture, connection, competency, and content. And what I want you to think about is categorically, if we're going to create a 90-day checklist that they run through, that at the end of 90 days, they've checked all these boxes, we want to make sure that there's boxes on that list that correspond to each of these four areas. Number one is culture. What is culture? It's the shared values and behaviors of the team. So what does this look like on an onboarding checklist? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't only look like we gave them a hat and we gave them a t-shirt. I love your hats and I love your t-shirts, but that's not culture. Culture is Seth Godin's idea that people like us do things like this. Here's the deal. Everyone desires and craves the opportunity to be a part of something. And if you are properly, as an organization, immersing people into the purpose and values of your company, they will start to feel over the course of 90 days that they have become a part of something. Now, this all starts with you being able to understand what is your culture. That's why we always teach that the three fundamental questions every impact-driven leader must answer is why do we exist, number one. What do we stand for, number two? And where are we going, number three? Because if you can answer those questions, that gives you all of the information that you need to teach your team. So how does this get integrated into an onboarding process? Well, one of the ways is that they need to memorize your mission and your core values. Because if they don't have those things memorized, and by the way, if you don't have these things memorized, how on earth are we going to use them? That's why every Path for Growth team member can say that our mission is that we exist to help impact-driven leaders step into who they are created to be so that others benefit and God is glorified. I dare you, ask one of them because that mission is why we exist. And if our team members don't know why we exist more than just what they are doing day-to-day, you know what's going to happen? That day-to-day is going to become extremely monotonous and mundane. My friend Kevin Scott, who's been on this podcast before, says that we have to look for and find ways to take the mundane and make it meaningful. That's such a powerful concept, and it's impossible to do that without a well-defined, passion-imbued mission, without a sense of purpose that everyone on the team shares. And so one of the things that they need to check off on this 90-day checklist is, have they memorized the mission of the organization? And then also the core values of the organization, because the core values are what we stand for, and they provide boundaries through which, if we operate within these things, we are excelling as team members of this business. So the core values of Path for Growth are point to Jesus, alignment, freedom and responsibility, treat people like friends, and strength is for service. We have five of them. 
And all of our team members have those memorized. And you know what's awesome about getting them to have those memorized in the first 90 days is they know, because I've told them, if you're staying within the bounds of our mission, if you are operating within the arena of our core values, and if you can connect how the action you're taking is connected to the larger vision of what we're trying to do as a business, then you do not need to ask permission. In fact, I would rather you not ask permission because we want people to take ownership. We want people to act because we want to be an agile and effective organization. And so they need to have the values of the organization memorized. And that should be one of the things that they check off as part of their 90-day checklist. But you and I both know that memorization has a lot to do with our intellect and our logic and nothing to do with our emotion. And what we want to do over the course of 90 days is to get them emotionally immersed and engaged and ingrained in the culture of the business that we are building together. We want them to feel like they are a part of it. And so how do we do that? Well, they need to hear stories and they need to have opportunities to interact with stories that exemplify the values and mission of the organization being embodied. What does that look like? Well, what would it look like for in the first 90 days to have every team member connect with customers whose lives have been impacted by what your business does? This is why Zach, whenever he onboarded with our team, he had phone calls with many of our one-on-one and growth group clients just to hear about how Path for Growth had positively impacted their business, their leadership, and their life. It gave him an opportunity to experience, not just hear about, the mission and the purpose of the organization in action. It's also a great opportunity for you as a leader to share with onboarded team members, hey, this is how we see this value played out. To share with them stories about where the core values came from. To show them examples in other team members of what it looks like in action. But then more than that, you can share it with them. But then I want you to give them opportunities as part of their checklist to teach it back to you. All of our coaches at Path for Growth have on their onboarding checklist that they're going to teach the mission and values of Path for Growth to me. And that's because I don't just want to be someone that teaches it to them. I want them to teach it to me because I want to hear how the purpose of the organization resonates with them because it might be different in their seat and it might look different in how it plays out in their seat. The, the question is not is different right or wrong. It just is. The question is, do they know what it means for them? And that's what I want so badly for the people on, on our team is for them to feel emotionally and passionately connected to the mission. Now, the final thing I'll say on this topic of onboarding for culture is we see leaders and businesses sometimes that put a cap on the passion of their organization or the culture of their organization because they say, well, I'm not in growth and development like you are. Our people can't be as passionate or engaged in the work that we do and why we do it. And if you're saying that, you are absolutely right. Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And the minute you say, we can't do that, you're putting a lid on your team, on your culture, and on yourself. If you say, we can't have people that are that passionate, you are absolutely right. What would be better? We have not led our people to be that passionate. 
That's a powerful mindset shift that demands a great deal of ownership and responsibility from the leader. But that's what it looks like to start leading people towards a culture that actually makes a difference, that is impact-driven in nature. And so if you are that person that is holding that limiting belief, I'd tell you, set aside some time to actually think about an aspirational mission and well-defined core values that set your organization apart. That's a big difference maker. Don't just do it like every other business does it, because if you do it like every other business does it, you're going to get what every other business gets. What are the things that set your business apart and then put those things to words We want the heartbeat of you, the founder, the leader of the organization to be put into a sentence that every time we share that sentence, man, it gets people lit up. That's what I want for you. And we do that in team training. So if this is something that that is, you feel like, man, this is out of my strength zone. That's one of the team trainings that we offer. We'll put the link for that in the show notes of this episode because we love sitting down with leaders and teams and saying like, okay, let's get all this thing out of your head. We do this. I did this with the, an organization the other day that had been in business for 20 years and they had never done this exercise or they had done it, but it was like packed away in a filing cabinet somewhere and they didn't use it at all. So we said, okay, let's take everything that's in the founder's heart, everything that's in the team's head, put it on a whiteboard and then distill it down into one sentence that represents their purpose and five core values. And it's so cool to see how that team is already changing the culture of something that's been around for 20 years to be more positive, to be more engaging and to be more passionate and also to be more prepared to scale in the future. So if that's something you're interested in, you can click the link that's in the show notes. But the reason why this all matters here is because in your onboarding process, you need to have specific tasks and activities that are connected to immersing people in the culture of your organization. And don't just take my ideas. Think of your own ideas. There's unique things about your culture that should be injected into this 90-day plan. Okay, the second thing that we're onboarding for is connection. So what I mean by connection is that people want to know that there's a place where they can go to ask questions, that they are supported by their team members, and that they are becoming friends with the people that they work with. So what does this look like on a 90-day checklist? Well, it looks like in the first week, an opportunity to have a non-working lunch with the people that you're going to be working closely with. Maybe that's you as their leader. Maybe it's one of their direct leaders. Maybe it's people on their team or in their area, if y'all work in an office, that they're going to be working with. Maybe if you work remote, you just say, we're going to have a Zoom lunch and we're going to talk about things that are not work. We're going to hear about your family. We're going to hear about your passions. We're going to hear about your hobbies. We're going to hear about your interests. They need to have an opportunity for connection. Here's the other thing that's really crucial here is that it's important in the first 90 days that they understand who is the person that they can go to to ask questions. I heard it said once that from a leader to a team member, it may feel like 50 feet, but from a team member to a leader, it feels like 500 miles of distance because it takes a lot of effort And it takes a lot of vulnerability as a team member to walk up to your leader and say, hey, I don't know what I'm doing here. Can you help me? But if anything, in the first 90 days, that's exactly what you want your team member to ask. So you need to provide opportunities for team members to ask questions. Now, that can happen in the context of a one-on-one meeting. That can happen in the context of you showing up at their desk every day, just saying, hey, is there anything that you need? Is there anything that you're confused about? Is there anything that we can clarify? That can happen through regular check-ins with their team. 
regardless, there needs to be structured and intentional time for connection in the first 90 days to make sure that they know what's going on. And here's the other thing I'll tell you. This is what we're learning in the building and path to growth right now. The more that you can front load connection, the better off you're going to be. So you may want to eventually get to a rhythm of weekly or even bi-weekly one-on-ones. But what if you had daily 15 to 20 minute one-on-ones with this person every day for the first 30 days? You know how much rapport and trust you would build really, really rapidly with that person if you were just checking in every single day? Maybe it doesn't even have to be 20 minutes. Maybe it's five minutes, but there's a point of connection that is needed in order to get a person effectively onboarded. But then I would also pose the question to you, what would it look like or what would it take for the people you're bringing on to the team to feel outrageously connected to the people they work with within 90 days? What would it take? And I challenge you, be creative. Maybe it's a team outing. Maybe it's that you assign them a mentor on the team. Maybe it's that they do something with their leader over the course of the 90 days. Maybe it's that they introduce themselves to the entire team in a newsletter or in a staff update. But what does it look like to help them become connected. One of the things I would tell you that's very, very practical is that you as a leader can create a culture within your team that that says, we welcome new people here and we go out of our way to make them feel like they are part of the team. That's leadership. You can tell your team, hey, this is something that we do here. We make people feel outrageously welcome. We show extreme hospitality. We go out of our way to say, hey, you're new. Let me buy you lunch. Let's have a conversation. Let's meet. If you need anything, let me know. Hey, we should get our families together and have dinner one night. We welcome people here. And then you could go one step further and say, anytime we have someone new, there's going to be balloons by their by their desk. And so if you ever, as a team member, walk by someone with balloons at their desk or a banner at their desk, you better be going out of your way to make them feel outrageously connected because that's part of what makes work meaningful. No one likes to show up to an office where they don't feel seen, known, and heard but that's all a product of not feeling connected. So what would it look like for you to have an onboarding process that ensures people get connected over the course of 90 days? Make sure those items are in your 90-day checklist. The next piece is competency. And what I would tell you with regard to competency is that the first and best thing that you can do is to make sure that you are doing everything you can to make sure the person has what they need to be successful. This goes along with one of the lines we say all the time within Path for Growth. I'm responsible to you. I'm not responsible for you. Listen to me real quick. As an impact-driven leader, you are responsible to providing new team members with the tools, the knowledge, the equipping, and the expectations that they will need to be successful. They are responsible for using those things to be successful. You are responsible to provide everything to them. They are responsible for doing the work. But so often we see that leaders are getting mad at people for not doing the work when in reality it's the leader's fault because they didn't provide them with the things they were responsible to providing them. And the biggest area where I see this show up is providing clear expectations of what needs to be accomplished. 
Within the Path for Growth membership, we call this KRAs, key results areas. It's a three to five bullet point list that clearly answers the question, what are the three to five areas that I need to be winning in order to be successful in my role? And then we set up a rhythm within the onboarding process for evaluating using a red, yellow, green model. How is this individual doing within their KRA? Now, whether you use KRAs because you've been through one of our workshops or something like that, or maybe use a different systems, there's OKRs if you use the Google method, there's all sorts of different ideas. The biggest thing that I want for you is I want you to provide team members with the expectation of what winning looks like. So often we get mad that people aren't doing their job and they never knew what the job actually was. And it's your responsibility as a leader to get that out of your head and onto paper. Now, in reality, that should be done in the hiring process or even before the hiring process, but it absolutely has to be done if you want to maximize effectiveness in the onboarding process. And you need to provide them with a clear description of what they need to be winning in at the end of 90 days. So what would it look like for you as a leader to create a bullet point list of what this person needs to be winning in by the end of 90 days in order to have successfully onboarded? I'm talking about competency. What are the things that they need to own in their role to be outrageously successful? Make sure that you're clarifying expectations. I'll also say with regard to competency is the best time to provide feedback is right now. Do not wait, especially in the onboarding process to provide feedback. Provide feedback early and provide it often. Because if you as a leader are allowing someone to perpetually move in just a degree of the wrong direction every single day, day after day, you have abdicated your responsibility to serve them. So we need to make sure we're providing clear expectations. And then any time in the first 90 days or really ever, someone deviates from those expectations. When we see something, we say something. Because you are responsible to making sure, hey, this was the expectation. I want to get you back on track. So we need to list things within the onboarding process, within that 90-day plan that make sure that if this person does these things over the course of the 90 days, they will be winning in their role by the end of 90 days. Maybe that's specific trainings they need to take. Maybe that's specific courses they need to go through. Maybe that's specific conversations that they need to have. Maybe that's specific processes they need to understand or get immersed in. Maybe they need to just do an audit of their area and really understand what's going on in their area and how can they effectively lead that team. But what is going to be needed in order for them to competently perform in their role at the end of that three-month period, the first 90 days? We're talking about competency. So we said we're going to immerse them in the culture. Then we're going to get them connected to the people around them. Then we're going to make sure that they know what's expected from them and how to go about achieving those expectations. And then finally, content. We said we're going to onboard for culture, connection, competency, and content. I listened to something just recently. What was it? Oh, it was it was the founder of Lululemon. He had an interview with Tim Ferriss. We'll put the link to it in the show notes. Where he he's no longer the president or owner of Lululemon. But one of the things that he talked about as the founder of that organization, which it it actually sounds like they had for a long time an incredible culture. I don't know what it's like right now, but it was an incredible with regard to how they were developing people. And one of the things that he said was so important for him and his organization is he said, man, we had to choose three, I think it was three to five books that are just the reference material for how we do business in this organization. 
He said, I want you to have some specific books that you can point to and say, this is what we believe. And this is the source material that we look to with regard to how to do business. I mean, I've talked to so many of you that do this, and that's so powerful. We'll provide a list of books that might be good recommendations and provide some ideas that we use here, but some that I can think of off the top of my head. I heard someone say this the other day. They said, I want every one of my team members to read How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I think that's a brilliant one. We have our team members read The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. I think that's a really, really good one. Voice of the Heart by Chip Dodd is a great book. It's a spiritual book, but it's a great book for understanding emotional intelligence, Entree Leadership. Y'all know that's where I used to work. That is such a practical book on the topic of business. Turn the Ship Around is so good on the topic of delegation. These are just a few that I I can think of off the top of my head. I'm trying to think if there's any more that would be, oh, Extreme Ownership is one that so many leaders in our program have their team members read. Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. I'm sure many of you have read that book. Brilliant book that teaches your team members how to properly act as messengers of your organization and think critically and creatively about the messaging of your organization. That can be really, really helpful. You can also have things that invest in their personal growth, like the, the 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John Maxwell. That's a great one on personal development or total money makeover. I know people that say, man, I want them to be personally, financially healthy, so I want them to read this book just so they understand these fundamentals. Now, I'm giving you those recommendations not because you need to use those recommendations. I'm giving you those recommendations just because I want to give you an example of have people read the books that were foundational to you as a leader. That when you look at them, maybe it was good to great. Maybe it was start with why. Maybe it was leaders eat last. Maybe it was how to lead when you're not in charge. Maybe it was boundaries by Henry Cloud. But when you look at your leadership growth journey, you say, man, these are the topics that I'm deeply passionate about that I find myself talking about all the time. It would be really great for your team to get in on those messages with you so that y'all can talk about them together and have mutual understanding. And so what are three to five books that you could list as part of this 90-day plan that they could listen to or read? And you could either set up an Audible account or have a library at the office or buy a copy for them, whatever you think is best, but you need to give them the opportunity to get in on the messaging of the organization because language creates culture. And if we can all be reading some of the same things and start using some of the same language and referencing the same ideas about business and leadership and personal growth, man, it just changes things. Now, I know that was a lot of information really fast, but here's the information that I want you to take out of this. You never have to recover from a strong start. And yet so many leaders are kind of haphazardly onboarding their team members. And for the team member, it feels overwhelming, exhausting, and honestly, it makes them feel really anxious. And that's not a really great way to start a new job because there are already so many barriers to being successful in a new job. So what do impact-driven leaders do? Well, impact-driven leaders provide a clear path for the person to become outrageously successful and connected and immersed in the culture over the course of 90 days. And one practical way that you can do this is through the creation of a 90-day checklist. 
that immerses the person in the culture of the organization, that gets them connected to the people of the organization, that teaches them what they need in order to be competent in their role, and that makes sure they understand some of the foundational content of the team. That's what you can do to provide them with the tools that they need in order to be outrageously successful. And that's what servant leadership looks like. Now, you're not responsible for them doing all those things, but you are responsible to provide them with those things. And that's what this is all about. So we're going to provide some examples of our onboarding checklist in the show notes of this episode, but I want you to use those as just that, examples. Make this thing unique to your team, to your culture, and to your business. And the best time to start on this is right now. Here's another really cool thing about the onboarding process. You do not need to do all this work. In fact, I would argue that it's better that you don't. What would it look like for you to find a killer team member that you have on the team and use this as an opportunity for developmental delegation? And maybe you send them this podcast episode and you say, hey, I want you to listen to this. I want you to get creative. I want you to just, I mean, I want you to blow Alex's ideas out of the water. And I want you to create an onboarding process that we just say, man, how cool is that? And it helps our team become more unified and more effective. What would it look like to delegate that to someone? And then you say, create the plan and then let's chat about it here in two weeks. That's great delegation, a desired outcome and a desired timeline. So what would it look like to delegate this? Y'all, I get so excited because I've seen how when leaders get more intentional on this one thing, it has ramifications for so many other things on their team. There's going to be people on your team that wish they had been hired later so that they could go through this process. There may even be people on your team that say, can I go through this process even though I'm already on board? How cool would that be? So get creative. Delegate effectively and let's knock this out. Create that 90-day plan. Y'all, this is an absolute blast. I want to remind you that every Wednesday we send out an email called Worth It Wednesday. Many of you are like me and that you believe most email isn't worth it. I hate email because it's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. So we set out to create one that is. And every Wednesday we send a principle worth learning a question worth answering and a recommendation worth taking. We also send out a video teaching associated with it. And most of those have been in Alaska lately because that's where I've been lately. And that's just been an absolute blast to shoot these videos on the side of mountains and teach leadership principles while I'm simultaneously sweating like a dog. So, so many of you have signed up for this. We're so grateful for that and so grateful to you also for sharing that. Remember, we're rooting for you. We want to see you win. My strength is not for me. Your strength is not for you. Our strength is for service. Let's go, let's go, let's go.